Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Brian Mann, an assistant professor of kinesiology and sports science at the University of Miami. He has been in the field of strength conditioning at the college level since 1998. He's coached at Southwest Missouri State, Arizona State, University of Tulsa, and the University of Missouri. Man is most well known for his popularization of various methods of auto-regulation of training, such as velocity-based training, and the Auto-Regulatory Progressive Resistance Exercise Protocol, or APRE. In this episode, we discuss why you should be using periodization to build your exercise plans. Dr. Mann also discusses the difference between linear and undulating periodization and why you may not be experiencing predictable results with your current plan. But before we get started, if you are an avid listener of The Blueprint, please take a moment, push pause, and leave us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from, as this will help us get featured in the new and noteworthy section and get discovered by more folks. But now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Brian, last time we talked about periodization or a methodology for creating a structured program, right? Now, once you have a structured program in place, life happens. Some, especially if you have kids or you're working a hard job or whatever, like some days you get a lot of sleep and you feel great. Some days you don't feel great, but you still go to the gym. How can you use auto-regulation to change your program, maybe on a daily basis? Or I'll let you kind of go into that to improve the outcomes of your training. Yeah, well, uh, auto-regulation, I mean, if we get back down to it again, it's kind of like periodization with what the word sounds like, you know, it it is regulating yourself and it's allowing you to progress at your own rate. It's just like you said, man, you've got the, uh, the stuff that's, you know, your, your good days and your bad days. Everybody's had a day that, you know, the international warm-up weight of 135 felt like 315 and there's other days and you're like, man, did I put 25s on there? So, you know, the auto-regulation is just a means of programming that allows you to select a proper load or potentially stimulus uh, for that given day, because there's going to be days whenever, I mean, look, if we go back to that effects of academic stress on illness and in- injuries in Division One football, you know, if you hit them with a, uh, a super hard training day, whenever they are academically stressed and have some other things that are, you know, knocking on the door, you're going to, you're, you're going to get somebody hurt or they're going to go into overtraining, or they're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that auto-regulation allows you to use the appropriate load for that day. Now, there's multiple ways to do it, of course. But one of the, the ways that uh, I guess I'm popular for, you know, or known for, I shouldn't say popular, uh, but I, I'm known <laughs> for, very few people would ever call me popular. But uh, I'm known for is that, uh, I think it was like around 2010, 2011, uh, yep. this paper on the autoregulatory progressive resistance exercise. And I had made a mistake in there where I compared it against linear periodization, which actually it wasn't against periodized and not periodized. And that was showing my lack of understanding at that point in my life. You know, the Dunning-Kruger is a thing, right? You know, the older <laughs> I get, the dumber I know I was. You know, I'm the other, I'm the other way. Some people like the older I get, the better I was. No, man, the dumber I was. I thought I knew everything at 21. I was smart for not evaluating what you did even months ago going, wow, maybe I should have done things differently. Maybe you need to take a step back. I'm actually going to do, this is so funny. I'm doing an episode soon on the Dunning-Kruger effect. So thank you for the prequel. Hey baby, I got to do what I can, you know, I'll take that fat, you know, 
I'll send a nice lob right down the middle for you. <laughs> but the, uh, so the APRE, whenever you get down to it, or some people call it APRE uh, as a, uh, you know, variation off the DAPRE from uh, night in the physical therapy and athletic training space. But all it does is it uses your performance on this set that you're doing to dictate the load for the next set. And then the next set dictates for the following week because everybody adapts at different rates and everybody has different stressors going on. And, uh, you know, there I've been called under scrutiny by a, a couple of people that are like, well, I don't believe the results of your study here because blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, dude, it wasn't pre to post. Okay. It wasn't, it was post to post. So meaning that the best number that they hit at the end of the spring was what I use as the pre for the summer. So, um, you know, there, there's that, uh, but, um, you want to walk people through the methodology? Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so long story short and cause I'm trying to do that cause I do short story long usually. <laughs> so we have these three different protocols, the three rep, the six rep and the 10 rep. And your goal is just to stay around that RM, you know, that repetition max of 10, six or three. The 10 is more for hypertrophy. The six, I call it strength. And the three RM, I would call absolute strength or potentially power, depending on the exercise. And then uh, you can do anywhere from typically the, the traditional protocol is a two set working protocol, but you've got multiple sets to get up. And then uh, those two working sets are you're doing for maximal performance. Some people say to failure, but I just don't want people thinking about failing. Uh, and as stupid as that seems, I think that the language you use matters. I don't want my athletes to go and think about that they have to fail. I want mm -hmm. them to think about that they have to succeed. So I would say to maximal reps. Uh, and again, you know, that could be because my degrees were actually in psychology and not exercise physiology that I, you know, overthought that, but, you know, whatever. And you just use the performance of one set to do the next. And there's adjustment charts that come along with it that uh, you can just Google my name and APRE and my dissertation or the paper or the book will come up. I'll put it, um, I'll put it in the uh, show notes, the paper. Yeah. I actually did this on Monday for Dumbbell Floor Press. So oh, yeah, baby. I'm, I'm coming off of a labrum tear. And so I'm finally getting my strength back and starting to, and I was doing dumbbell floor press for the three rep set. And I did 80 pounds, which was good considering, you know, I'm, I'm getting back from this, um, yeah. Labrum tear and it was uh, three reps was three reps. I mean, that was all I could get. So the, the next set, I just did three reps again, barely eked it out. That was it. But I've, I've been going, I've been using this from, I started with the six rep protocol around 60 pounds and I've just been working myself up Nice, and, um, I mean, I love it because it's super simple and I choose like one or two strength exercises to utilize the weight that because I'm, as I get older, I'm really into minimal effective dose, uh, which yeah. for those that are listening, if I can get stronger or if I can, if I can get, if I can do anything with less work, I'm going to do it. So, yeah. and, and there's so much orthopedic cost on your joints as you age. So like, if I can get stronger doing uh, three sets of five weighted pull-ups versus five sets of five. I'm going to do three because I want Absolutely. to maintain the integrity of my body and not wear myself down. So I love this. Have you done anything? So there's a 10 rep, a six rep and a three rep. Yep. And you do two warm up sets. I do three just cause I'm old and I got to do more. I do like and, eight. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you basically do, let's say it's the three rep protocol. You're, you're trying to get as many, I say, perfect reps as possible. So if I yep. know I'm going to fail, 
I'm like, all right, that was four and that's it. And then he has an adjustment chart and you either go, you stay the same, go down or go up. Now, what you're saying is the weight that you were able to accomplish at the end of that sec. Now you carry that over to the next week. Yep. hundred percent. So just okay. like, you know, if you did 80 for three for your last set yesterday, then 80 pounds is the one that you're going on. But what if you did 80 for five? Well, then we would know that you need to increase uh, five reps. That'd probably be 10 pounds. So then you're going up to your 85s. Dumbbells, I would probably tend to go a little bit, um, uh, a little bit conservative there. Right. And then I would probably go six or seven reps to, for the for the increase, just mm -hmm. because of the increased stabilization uh, that the dumbbells are going to have more muscular activation than the others. There's more to control. Uh, so that that makes me go conservative. But yeah, no, you're 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 right on. So then uh, the third set dictates the fourth, the fourth dictates the subsequent week. And now what somebody's going to think of is how do you know that next week's going to be good? You don't. So whenever you hit that, uh, that first set, right. What if, uh, I'm in finals, my girlfriend broke up with me and, uh, the only, I haven't eaten nothing but McDonald's for the past four days. Well, I'm probably going to come in and my first set, instead of, if I'm on the three protocol, I might not even get one. And then what happens? I decrease the load greatly so that I'm in the appropriate uh, range yet again. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that about this that I think has made it so effective is the autonomy and the, the control that you've got over it. And I really think that while some people, you know, say, you know, they, they discount this. I think that the utilization of self-determination theory through auto-regulation of training is what allowed us to have those great results because the athletes had the autonomy. They, they knew that they were in charge of the selection of the load. Now, for some people, they're like, oh, oh that's, you know, whatever, because that, that sucks because then they could go easy and they could back off. And you're absolutely right. They could. Most of these However, guys don't though. No. And especially not whenever the head football coach is a numbers guy, because right. when is he going to come up and say, good job? He's like, hey, heard what you did in the weight room. Your bench went up 15 pounds. Great job. So right. the athlete is going to want that sort of uh, confirmation. So they go with that. And then the other prongs of self-determination theory really aren't uh, germane for the podcast, especially in a, uh, in a very concentrated portion like that. But yeah, no, it's just quick way to get super strong. Now it's like how much stronger? I think on average, the squat and the bench press, which is going along with what I was talking about earlier, uh, for the linear for the traditional percentage-based training, they stayed within about six or ten pounds of their previous post of their previous testing period. Uh, versus the APRE, I believe on squat it was about twenty-seven pounds, and on bench it was about like fifteen or eighteen. Which you're like, oh, that's not that much. It's like, well, these are highly trained Division One athletes, so for right. these massive increases in a six-week period, you need to get out a cup for the dude to pee in because there's, you know, he's probably going <laughs> to test positive for something. Um, <laughs> it's so true. Like the freshman year, sophomore year, you see these massive changes. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, like, we don't have to talk about it on this show, but like, that's where I love like the one by twenty type of protocols oh, it's very similar in the sense it's just like it's a it's a very concentrated dose we ran it at william and mary and our freshmen were just the coaches were like these numbers don't even make sense we're like part of it is they'd never done the lift part of it is like there's all these neurological adaptations and like but they didn't blow up i'm like yeah but like their bodies are changing so rapidly because they've never been exposed to anything. We all yeah. know that the earliest adaptations are neurological. And yep. so six, eight weeks in, they physically may have changed a little bit from the eye test, but they may have gone up 
45, 50 pounds on a bench press because they just Absolutely. never done anything. If you're looking for information and resources to improve your mind, body, and ability to recover and adapt to the stress of life, then sign up for my free weekly newsletter, Adaptation. You can sign up now by clicking the link in the show notes or going to www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. So is APRE kind of like, I know we're going to talk about velocity-based training in the next deal, and that's kind of where you're adding some technology. This Are there any other tools or tricks that you use or methods to regulate your training on a daily basis? Yeah, you know, uh, there, there's a few. Um, and with the, within the APRE, I wanted to just go ahead and say that you're not limited to just the two work sets. Uh, you can drop down to one if you're in a very stressful period. Maybe say you're in season, but you need to still progress. Or maybe that you are just coming back from a layoff uh, and you've already gone through a, uh, oh my God, what's that word? Anatomical adaptation or an acclimatization mm -hmm. period so that your tendons are good. Then you might go to, you know, three or four work sets so that you could increase more rapidly, but in a, a sane manner. Uh, but other ways of monitoring your training, man, you know, you, you, you got tons of options. I mean, anything that you do repeatedly, uh, that is something that you could utilize. Uh, I, I've got, you know, I'll tell people that using body weight is probably one of the first places to start. Uh, if you are somebody who, uh, or if you're working, you know, in, in team sport, every, most of the time, for whatever reason, everybody weighs in every day and sometimes they'll weigh in and weigh out. And if you would just look at the variation that somebody has with their body weights on any given day, that's probably going to tell you something, right? You run the coefficient of variation, uh, was that like a half a standard deviation or something like that? And it needs to, you know, for it to be really solid for monitoring, it needs to be 10% and below. Uh, but so let's even think back to that body weight thing. You know, we've all got friends that every time or athletes that every time they weigh in, they are exactly the same and it, it never changes. And then we've got the dude who might be uh, 207 one day, 193 the next, 201, 205, <laughs> buck 90, you know, and it just bounces all over the place. Well, for the guy that is always, you know, 200.3 pounds, a half a pound weight increase or loss is very, very telling. Mm -hmm. uh, where it might be more for the for the other individual, but then that gives you uh, some insight and think, okay, what's going on here? Uh, he's lost, you know, we're down uh, four pounds. Uh, well, I haven't been, you know, I've been stressed out and I haven't been eating enough. Okay, well, then that's going to show signs of additional stresses and things like that. Uh, so you could use that. You could use simple jump height. Uh, you know, if you've got the VBT metrics, we'll save that for the next one. So I don't uh, take this 15 minute and turn it into a 45 minute uh, session. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's, uh, you know, you could look at the predicted 1RM. Uh, you could look at total workloads. Uh, all of those things are aspects that would allow you to monitor and gain more insight. You know, I, I'm a guy that, you know, parsimony is a word that I, I use all the time. And that just for those not knowing, it's basically getting the most from the least. So why are we going to add stuff in whenever we don't have to, if we can get what we, you know, get it with what we've already been doing. Hmm. Uh, so just, you know, look at, at those things, look at subjective questionnaires. How are you feeling? You know, mood and vigor are the, the number one, uh, uh, found traits even more so than the, uh, if I remember correctly from the work with Vandy Fry, that the questionnaires came out better than the test cortisol because that had so much inter-individual variation. Uh, it was however, more sensitive yeah, to yeah. in workload. It, 100%. It's, it's a staple, especially if you apply the right math on how you're assessing if, if the signal's strong enough to make a change. 
Absolutely. But, um, no, that is, that's actually something that we've baked into our aim seven app. And we look at a whole bunch of different things, asking people how they feel in a bunch of different categories and use that to auto-regulate all sorts of different things. But this has been a phenomenal conversation. I'm really looking forward to you going down the rabbit hole on BBT in the next one. Sounds good. Let's do it. If you enjoyed today's discussion with Dr. Mann and you learned something new, please take a screenshot of the episode and share it with a friend. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.